Hi, y'all. It's Angela, and I'm back for another episode of Business Unveiled. And today, I'm super excited to be talking with one of my friends, Gary Cox. Gary and I met years ago. I think it was on Facebook. We were just collaborating amongst business strategist and productivity collaboration. And he was, I believe, in Nashville filming a show. And we met up at Starbucks and have kept in touch ever since. He is a business and life strategist. And today we're going to be talking all about, which I love this title, cleaning out your emotional hard drive for more success. Welcome to Business Unveiled, the podcast designed to help you thrive in the creative community. Here's your host, events and productivity consultant, Angela Profit. Are you looking for a community of like-minded people to help you GSD? That's get shit done for your business. Well, guess what? If you are serious, and I mean serious, about being a leader as an entrepreneur, a solopreneur, a small business owner, whatever you want to call it, you are personally invited to an exclusive Facebook group called I Am a GSD Leader, where we all collaborate on giving value and getting value. So here's the link. Are you ready? It's bit.ly slash I am a GSD leader. So send me a request and let's get going on GSD. Hi, Gary. Thanks for being here. Hey, Angela. Thanks for having me. Of course. I'm so excited that you took time today to share all of your knowledge, like great knowledge about the emotional hard drive and I know that the audience is going to have awesome takeaways because as a business owner, as an entrepreneur, it's emotionally taxing. <laughs> it really right. is. And um, I love the title in terms of technology and hard drive stuff. But before we even jump into that, take us back to years and years ago when you first started. How did you know that you wanted to be an entrepreneur? And where did you start? Well, how, let's see, how did I know I wanted to be an entrepreneur? You know, as as a kid, I think my first little business venture was something like, I remember living in an apartment and in the apartment area was some laundry, you know, dryer and washing machine. And I used to have a little dentine gum and I made this little box and you put a dime or a nickel in it and it dropped on a piece of cardboard and that dropped the dentine gum out. And um, a lot of my, all, all the men on my father's side are all entrepreneurs. So I, I saw the difference between the nine to five and the entrepreneur. And uh, that's where it began. And, you know, I started technically my first business around 15. My second around 17 was making $100,000, over 100000 a year as a teenager. So um, I was very fortunate to be at the right time, right place. Also very, very hungry and uh, eager to grow and learn. And that's where it all sprang. So how, what were you doing at 17? That's amazing. I was doing drugs. No, I'm just kidding. No. Um, what that's I awesome. was doing, I started a jewelry business years ago. I was in the Cayman Islands as a kid, 
and they used to carve black coral, which I think now is totally illegal because it's so rare. And I used to make jewelry out of that and used to sell that to kids in school. Really? And then I had a friend of my father's who actually owned jewelry stores. So I thought I was going to sell some to him, went to him and he said, look, let me, let me give you something that's a little better. And he said, I will consign you for the first time, how much ever jewelry you want. You go and sell it. We'll split it. Anything after that, then you're going to have to pay up. And I said, let's go for it. So I took, I don't remember. This was like whatever, 20 or no, 30, 40, 40 years ago, 30 some odd <laughs> years ago. Um, aging myself now. So I think I took it's at the time 500 or he right 500 yeah. or a thousand dollars worth of jewelry. And I started selling it to the girls in school. Then I started getting into repairing and I'll never forget one day. I'll never forget this day. I was in a bathroom stall hiding my money oh my and I God. counted $400 in my pocket. That was huge 30 plus years ago yeah. as a 17 year old, 16 year old kid. And I said, school or this? And I said, screw that. So I went to my high school principal, 11th grade. I said, look, here's a deal for you. Um, I will, I know I shouldn't quit school, but I got to go to quit school and I know I shouldn't, but here's the deal. In my junior year, you know, I did the work part-time and you go to school part-time. I said to him, here's what I want to do. I want to do my own business full-time for my my senior year. I don't want to show up in school. I hate school. I want to walk away with my diploma. I won't have a super advisor because I'll be my own boss, so I guess I'll have to grade myself. And you can never get away with that now. But he said, yeah. So my senior year, I started uh, full-time. I started actually doing repair jewelry for... Um, you know, your big Zales jewelers, Gordon's jewelers, JC Penney's. And that's how I got my start. And I crushed it, man. It was really, it was really a good business for me. That is amazing. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. I don't know if it would fly today. Um, you but never get away with that. Yeah. No that's, I mean, that's I, actually, I mean, I literally graded myself. I got a 4.0 average. It's not what you know, but who you know, right? Right. But I gave a four point average. And I got my diploma, like, I didn't care about it. I think two years, three years later, they, they had it there, and I went to the school and got it. And, but that's it. That's, that's how I got my start. Um, in the jewelry business, I, I created some things where I created a class, and the class was I could teach you how to repair your gold chain in one hour better and faster than the jeweler that's been doing it for 20 years. And then I started getting obsessed with if something can be fixed in five minutes, why can it not be done in four minutes or three minutes or less with the same quality or better? And that became an obsession. That started transferring as a pilot to what if I could take a person who's never flown an airplane before and in an hour and a half have them landing and taking off an airplane. So that was like kind of friggin' crazy. So I got that down to a science. Then I got Inside Edition, did a story on it, and then... I started getting a lot of TV attention for my ability to help people change very quickly and then so on and so on. Which is amazing. And I know when I met you years ago, you were sharing with me, which, you know, coming and growing up in the wedding industry, everybody knows what sandals is. <laughs> and so I'd love for our listeners to know how you created a relationship and how you have leveraged the sandals brand and then, so are you a pilot? Do you actually fly your plane? Yeah, I fly. And one of my goals is to get every aviation license there is. So I fly jets, helicopters, seaplanes, gliders, gyrocopters, you name it. I'm, it's a bad addiction, bad, bad addiction. But um, 
the relationship with Sandals, yeah, Sandals Resorts has sponsored me for over 20 years. And we have created a, a really cool mastermind. And the mastermind is where I take people in my jet from Florida and I fly them to Sandals for the day. And, you know, when we land, we have Rolls Royces pick them up and that, um, a dignitary police escort with the police and the sirens and everything. We want people to feel ridiculously special. And they have an entire day to pick my brain about business and how to grow and, you know, anything that they want to pick my brain, you know, it's all on the table. So I've been doing that for quite some time now. I enjoy it. I love to help people. It's a small group. We, we limit it typically to seven or eight people. And it's a great way for people to really live a life that most people will never have. And when they sit in that jet and when they fly and live like this, uh, they realize, you know what, I'm not playing big enough. I'm not playing or thinking big enough. And one of my things is get to people to, to play at a bigger level. So for anyone who's listening, who is a young slash new, and I don't mean young in age because I do a lot at the Entrepreneur Center and there's some people that are in their late 50s and they've they've been in the military all their life and it's like they've been told what to do all their life and then they retire and they have an idea and so to me they're still right. a young entrepreneur because they don't know what they don't know so sure. what is the top thing that you would tell them how to focus and get over that fear like is there one thing that you would tell them well i think what we all do, I think, and this sounds so counterintuitive to success, I think we think too big in the beginning. And here's what I mean by that. If we're at a certain level, and then we want to get to another level that's way beyond the first level, the gap in between the two is so huge, you become easily discouraged when you don't see progress because you're comparing yourself to where you're at, to where you want to be. You know, like, you know, if you're a baby pilot and you want to fly a jet, that, that's years and years and years. You know, if you, if you want to make a million dollars, that doesn't happen overnight. So I think what people need to focus on is worry about failing on the little, little tiny things, not the big things. You can never get to the big thing unless you get to the little thing. So do the little things now and be obsessed with taking massive action. I'm obsessed with unfinished business. And the only way to become successful, it's a, 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 a combination of action steps. And you have to figure out, and we'll talk about that, how to clean out your emotional hard drive. Failure comes from your emotional hard drive. If you clean out your emotional hard drive, you're taking massive action all the time. It causes you typically to fail quicker, but success is made up on failures. So the faster you do the failures, the quicker you get to the successes. Amen. <laughs> so what is the first step to like cleaning out? Well, and for people who don't know, you don't know what you don't know, like, do, can you give us your definition of what is an emotional hard drive? I mean, I know. Sure. But. The, the, the problem that I see in working with people that they have in their business or their finances or in their personal life, it's a reflection of things stuck in their emotional hard drive. So that's kind of like your computer's hard drive. You know, you work on your computer. We've all just done this before. We're typing away, doing our thing. And for whatever reason, the computer responds really slow or maybe not at all. Why does it happen? It happens because we have too much stuff stuck in the hard drive. How does that happen? That happens because one day maybe we're online and we want to download a PDF and we click it once. And if you're like me, you get a little impatient. So what do you do now? You double click it. <laughs> and we've literally downloaded that now three times. Now think about doing that for several months or several years. In time, your computer's hard drive is going to be filled up with too much crap. 
Our emotional hard drive is that same thing. If you had something emotionally happen to you when you were five years old, five years ago, or five days ago, every time you relive that negative emotion, take us what we're doing. We're packing more stuff into our emotional hard drive. And I speak, unfortunately, from experience. Um, when I was making all this success, I had gotten married and things changed dramatically. My wife and I, we had a baby. Later on, she tells me it's not mine. My grandfather and stepfather die of cancer. I uh, get a phone call from my mother to let me know my father had just been shot point blank in his chest, drowned in his own blood. I, I go on and on, and all by the time I was 21 years of age. On top of that, when I had actually met you, I had just gotten out of a cult, um, been born and raised in that. So when you leave that, all your friends and so-called friends and family will shun you and never have anything to do with you. That's emotional hard drive crap. So yeah. it could be trauma, loss of a loved one, bankruptcy, uh, emotional, physical, sexual abuse, a decision you made years ago that's still haunting you. So here's what happens now. One of the hardest things for people to deal with is an entrepreneur's rejection. You cannot become successful without handling massive rejection. So then, let's say, a typical example, people come to me and say, Gary, I got a huge problem with rejection. The problem that you think you have is typically never the problem, it's something underlying. So if somebody says to me, you know, I have a huge problem with rejection, how do I get over it? It's not the no more, no, the more no's you get, the closer to yes you are. Figure out what's in your emotional hard drive that's causing that. If you had a divorce or somebody told you when you were 15 years old, you'd amount to nothing, or you feel like you're a failure or you're worthless because of all these things in your past, well, what happens now when somebody says no to you and you feel rejected, you're going to relive all that crap from 5, 10, 20, 40, 50 years ago, and now the pain of rejection is multiplied a gazillion times. And that then is where the emotional hard drive affects us because now, you know, when we started our day, we thought we were going to do 20 different things today, but we get rejection early in the day and all those other things that we're supposed to do, we emotionally can't handle it because we're feeling too much pain. So what do we do? We sulk, we get depressed, we take a drink, we do meds, whatever, we have to go take a walk for a day and that's where our success gets really slowed down. Oh my gosh, totally. Like, so what is the first step to cleaning it out? Like, how do you even start to process through all of that? I know that you do seminars and workshops and all of those things, but is there one thing that you could tell our audience to consider to st even start the process of cleaning out the hard drive? Yeah, I mean, that's, that's a loaded question. I mean, this is the stuff, for example, <laughs> you know, for years, Dr. Phil's brought me on his show um, the doctors and I, I go in and I do interventions at my seminars for, for, for two days. I do intervention after intervention. Um, I'll, the answer to that is it depends on how deep the situation is. If the situation is very, very deep, the chances of somebody doing it on their own is slim to none. Right. Uh, the other thing is, you know, awareness is important. So what happens is sometimes we're not even aware. We think we behave the way we behave is because that's just the way it is. Shakespeare said, nothing is good or bad, but thinking makes it so. Nothing is good or bad, but thinking makes it so. So then whatever you're doing that's negative, it's a thought process, whether we want to admit it or not. But you just can't go tell somebody, change your story, change your life. If you have to change your story, you have to believe your story. If you don't believe it, nothing changes. So if I say, I can't, I can't, and somebody says, well, Gary, say you can, you can. Well, I can say I can, I can all day long. If I still believe I can't, then I can't. So a lot of it comes from changing your story. How do you change your story? Figure out what the story is you have to change. How do you believe the story? So there's a lot going on as opposed to just, 
you know, you can do your great thing positive because positive thinking is like spray paint on rust. It doesn't last long. So it takes more of a, 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 an ability to go in and learn how to rewire your thinking because we're all a sum total of everything that we've ever experienced from the day that we were born to this very moment. The problem with that is a lot of that is what's programmed us. Our parents, our culture, religion, books we read, school we went to, movies we saw. And the challenge that we have is most people don't consciously say that I am going to allow me to program me. So when something happens that I refer to as an EIC, an emotionally impacted circumstance, emotionally impacted circumstances create emotionally impacted decisions. And this is usually done subconsciously. You want to get to the point where when you have an emotionally impacted circumstance that you consciously choose, I'm going to allow this to affect me this way or this way. And that takes a real acute awareness mentally to make that happen. Absolutely. So it sounds like the, the very first thing just to be aware and to have the mindset of, okay, I have this shit from the past and I need to go to therapy or do something. I mean, you can't just sit around by yourself and change, right? I mean, you, you've got Well, typically to- not. You know, I tell you, I tell you yes and no. The, the typical answer is that is correct. The other part of it is, let's say that you're going to teach me how to paint cars and I know nothing about it and you're an expert. Well, once you show me how to prepare the car, get it prepped, you give me the paint gun and I paint the car red. Well, once I've got it figured out, you don't need to teach me how to paint a green car, a blue car, an orange car. Once I learn the process, I can use it for every color. So once a person learns the processes that I teach, then you can use it for anything, not just this particular problem, whatever that particular problem is. Now, once in a while, I might need your help if I'm going to paint a car with metallic paint because it's a little bit more detailed and a little bit more in-depth and need more training. But overall, I won't need you for everything. So if I can show somebody the strategies and how to rewire their thinking, then now they can apply it for relationships business, weight loss, you name it. That's awesome. So I know that, um, I think you were, I don't know if you were in Nashville doing the doctors. I know that, I mean, you literally have been on every station like NBC, CBS, ABC, Inside Edition, Fox, CNBC. And and I've watched you and I've seen um, what you do. And so how... For our audience who has not been exposed to your methods, how would you say that you are different other than experience, which by the way, for any of you guys listening, if you're looking for like a strategist or a life coach or someone to be a leader to you, um, just from experience, um, you know, age doesn't necessarily define you in your future. However, I find it really hard to learn from a 22-year-old that hasn't experienced a lot in life. And so experience can definitely help people lead others and bring others up when you can actually empathize with them. And so to me, like when I'm looking for mentors and coaches and other speakers at conferences that I go to, I don't 
give a rat's ass about their resume. I really care about their life experiences and how can that add value to my audience so they can empathize with them. And so what would you, like, again, I know this, but what would you say is the primary difference that makes you and your methodology unique? Well, I think what you're saying is, is so accurate because in finding a mentor, you really want to find somebody who's been through more than you have, and then they've turned it around and they've succeeded at the level that you want to and proved it and are willing to hold you accountable to help you get to the next level. So I, I think, yes, my experience does work uh, for me, but I can feel the pain people go through. I mean, I literally feel their pain. I, I may not have been through their exact pain, but I've been through a lot of crap in my life. And there's something about that, that when I work with people, you know, I know when to be strong and masculine with them. And then I also know when to be soft with them because I have to play both roles. But I, I think that that experience has a lot to do with it. Plus, you know, I, I've learned to communicate effectively where I can shave the learning curve off of people very, very quickly. That's what I specialize in doing, whether it's in a business or mentally. And that's what helps people get to that next level quicker. Yeah, that, I mean, it's so true. Like, do you have like one impactful story from a client that has gone through your coaching program or gone to been part of your mastermind groups like is there just one story that sticks out among all others that you were actually able to like really turn their life around that you could share like do you have a favorite one or, uh, or not i really? just like to bring up maybe my recent ones i had one lady from australia she saw me on one of the tv shows one of dr phil's shows and um she was confined to her house she, every, you know, her kids would get sick. She would freak out. I mean, just, she's been to, I think she said 150 doctors. I don't know how much medication. But in one, I think one two hour session, uh, which is not uncommon. I just totally rewired her whole thought process. And now she's doing the, the triathlete mud thing where she's racing in the mud. And she's told her doctors, this is just absolutely ridiculous. Goodbye. Uh, massive change. And then, then, of course, I have people, you know, who dramatically increase their income uh, from the business standpoint. But it's, it's a rewarding feeling to, to see people apply themselves and then take this information and, you know, really grow with it. Absolutely. And I mean, and you've said the word a couple times, like, um, it's like a healthy obsession about being successful and finishing a project. And I definitely think that focus and dedication is going to allow someone to get there. And so just a few things to reiterate and point out that you mentioned a moment ago that sometimes like being an entrepreneur, you have to find the people to surround yourself with that are going to help you think that way and help lift you up. And sometimes that means distancing yourself from friends and family and it sucks. And sometimes it's very lonely at the top when you don't have anybody. And so I think that it's really important to make sure that you are surrounding yourself with the right people. And you, you mentioned this, I didn't know if you would, and you mentioned that you had gotten out of a cult. 
So what, you know, I, people say, oh my God, you're in the Apple cult. And I'm like, well, I think that's a good thing. I love Apple because Apple makes me the most productive that I can be. I'm paperless and I teach people how to do it all over the world. And it, and, and with technology, it has allowed us to grow way faster than we would ever be able to grow without technology. And I mean, the fact that I'm in a different country at times and still zooming with clients and still doing podcasts with people all around the world without technology, we would not be growing as a, a world. And so what would you say is, um, well, actually I'm, I'm kind of like going back. What I'm like totally changing my question now. What's your favorite technology tool? Because I mean, and then we'll go back to the cult thing because I feel oh, like it's. Gosh. I, I have a love hate relationship with Apple. I really do. My God, it's I, it, I don't even get me started. I think they only have to. I was in, I was in Nashville. I think probably the time I met you, uh-huh. Stephen, Stephen Tyler was in the store at the Apple store. The cops, I think they, I think they only have to throw me out. But we won't go there. What's my favorite technology? Um, I, I am very, very, very paperless. I'm probably not quite as good as you, but I'm probably 98% paperless. Everything I do um, is my aviation stuff, everything paperless. Um, I like airdrop like crazy because I can go back and forth with people. I love notes, um, yep. reminders. I, I mean, you and I are on the same page when it comes to this stuff. I mean, I'm obsessed with productivity. And to be productive, you have to have things streamlined. And I think we both, you know, are very big advocates on this. So anything I can have or do that streamlines my life and my operation, I'm all up for. Absolutely. I remember we went to brunch and you like handed me your phone and I'm like, can I just reorganize your phone over here? And so that was fun. Yeah, Um, you probably probably started a lot of that crap, but yes, I remember that. But isn't it life changing? I mean, isn't it better to know? Yeah, you know, you have all those darn apps that I, I, I can't even have a conversation with you because I'm going to have to have 10 more apps. It's going to be better for me. But I mean, yeah, it, there's no question about it. And for aviation, oh my gosh, I just love it. Um, my team knows, you know, the minute I land, they can go on the internet and see that. I mean, yep. I can go on and on the benefits, just how it, it streamlines my life. It's, it's crazy. It's crazy. Were you the one yes. that showed me Wonderlist? Of course. Yes, oh, I showed you Wonderlist. Of course. My yes, newest favorite apps are Marco Polo. It's video, uh, like video texting, and people can actually yeah. see your emotions. And then Vlog Easy, because which you do a ton of videos as well, but Vlog Easy jump cuts and edits for you, so you don't actually have to like get into iMovie or Premiere Pro and do it. So those are my two new favorite apps. They're not really new, but those are the two that I use. I've heard of Vlog Easy with a V, right? Like Victor or Video. Yep. 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 I love it. Anyway, back to the cult thing. So like, you know, when people are like, oh, you're in the Apple cult. And I'm like, well, and I'm proud of it because that is part of my life. And if you don't use Apple products, it's really hard for me to help you, uh, you know, just from a productivity creative standpoint. But how did you realize like, holy shit, like I'm in a cult. How did you get out? Well, that's tough. And I'll tell you why Apple's not a cult. Never belong to a group or an organization you can't honorably leave. You could honorably leave and go to PC and nobody will kill you for it. Sure, um, sure. Yeah. So you're, you're, you're safe. Um, wow. I just saw, well, that, that's, I don't know. We, don't, we probably don't want to go too, too deep with all that. But, um, you know, when, when you have a, a cult or organization that believes one thing and then every six months or every two years, 
they're believing something else and they're changing it and they're changing it after a while. You just like, so what more do I, what, what do I really need to believe here? You're going to change yeah. it on me. So I'm going to believe this. And then in three years from now, it's not going to be true. And just the hypocrisy, not that, you know, there's all hypocrisy everywhere to some degree, but it got to the point that, um, and the biggest thing is, you know, if you leave, you're done. You, you lose all your friends and family. I never realized uh, the repercussions of this. I, ne I, I never realized it was going to be as difficult as it was. It put me $350,000 in debt. It was way, 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 way more challenging than my father being murdered, my wife telling me my baby's not mine. I mean, that stuff is, cake, is a cakewalk, honestly, which is, gives you an idea how intense. Wow. Uh, I, yeah. Unbelievable. I, I still to this day over 10 years, the ripple effects, thank God I do what I do for a living because I would have committed suicide. And there's many people who do because of it. So it is what it is. Yeah. I mean, the main thing, I guess, like for the listeners that if they're surrounded by or they're in something and they know it's not good, they want to get out. Um, you know, really, it's like, what's the first step? And if you sit around and think about it, and it's like, what do I need to do to get myself out of this situation? And if you think about it too long, it's almost like you talk yourself out of it or other people talk you out of it. And so I'm, my whole big thing is like, do you just move islands? Do you move countries? Do you just, I mean, nowadays, I feel like with social media, it might be a little bit harder to remove yourself. But if you know that you're in a situation that's not going to better your life or your business or your entrepreneur spirit, like get out, like it's okay. Yeah. <laughs> and there well, are, you're, you're right about get out, but the consequences are intense. That's the problem. The consequences are unbelievable. But look at where you are now, right? Yeah, but I tell you, it wasn't whoa, easy. I wouldn't, I couldn't, I wouldn't, I, I can't even recommend for somebody to leave. It, it's so difficult. Um, and that's why people don't because your entire belief system is shot and it's very few people can do it successfully. I, I still, I still counsel people um, that have left 20 years ago and you would think they just left yesterday. So mm -hmm. if somebody needs to do that, they got to plan it right. It, it has to be so well planned. I took six weeks to plan it. That was the dumbest thing I could have ever done. Dumbest thing I could have ever done. But um, yeah, it's challenging. It's definitely a challenge, but it gives you a, an idea of, you know, how powerful the human mind is. I mean, the smartest people that you think are very intelligent are, are in occults. I mean, names that I could throw out at you and you're like, holy, really, what? But um, it is what it is, you know? It's crazy, though. We can believe a lot of crazy things. That's why I yeah. tell people, don't always believe what you believe because it may not be true even though you believe it. And just because Google says it doesn't mean it's true. Right. Oh, That's my God. Right. Like it, I, I do, um, I have realized something this year that I've never really realized before in, in opening up a co-working space and being part of that and really focusing on helping uh, women entrepreneurs and exactly what you're saying, like their past, they're so stuck on what their dad said or what their mom said or yeah. not knowing and I mean, I think I was just born like a determined child who right. is like, I'm going to break through no matter what. Nobody's going to stop me. And I don't like the word yeah. no. And so I, all these things that these women are sharing 
with us as we're opening up, it's almost as if I feel like I'm running a therapy group, which is very healthy. But I'm like, wow, who told you you couldn't do this? Who told you that it has to be this way? Like literally people make things up in their head. Literally. Oh, (laughs) yeah. What? I think the government should have an IQ test before people have babies, I swear. <laughs> yeah. And then, you know, just just to, like, be, it's like a, you've got a magnifying glass on you. And so yeah. it's like things just shift. It's like you go from in-person cults to now we have all these um, Facebook groups and people want a sense of community. And if yes. they don't belong somewhere – and they go from group to group to group, and then they find their people who accept them. They really just want community. Yeah. And the first time I really realized that, I wasn't even like in business that long. I mean, I was young, and Lady Gaga <laughs> came to Nashville, and a friend of mine that owned a lighting company, he's like, Hey, do you want to go with me and sit up in the rafters? They've got this new LED wall because That's LED. Cool hadn't really come out yet. And he's like, there's this great wall. I want to see if you can rent it to your clients for events. And I'm like, sure, I'll go sit up top in the rafters and watch the production. I think Lady Gaga is absolutely hideous. Like just when the crazy shit she was doing. But what I've watched up there, and I'm not a people watcher, like I don't have time for that shit. And it's, but it's like, I was up there not only watching the amazing production and the lighting behind the scenes, the people and the following that felt socially accepted. And then like I left that concert really respecting her and what she said and what she's built. And like all these people, like I remember I Googled, I'm like, what is a paw? She's like, put your paws. I'm like, what, what does this mean? And like, I didn't have any service. They didn't have Wi-Fi in, in the Bridgestone building. And so I, when I got out there, you know, they exp- explain like this is some a culture that lady, and this was like way before Facebook groups were huge right. and all of that. Like she literally built a cult on come as you are, dress however you want. I mean, I saw, you would have thought it was like Halloween at her concert yeah, because yeah, I saw yeah. things I'd never seen before. Right. But it also like made me think and walk away like, wow, there's some really lonely people that are just looking for acceptance. And so if anything, like find a community that will support you and and be positive. Like that's the whole point to the story is there is a group for everybody and there's people out there that can help you and really help you go forward with everything. And so I know like some people, especially in entrepreneurs, because there's so much that we have to deal with that I don't think people understand, we have to take care of people. We have to be running things. We have to make sure our online e-commerce is running correctly. You know, there's just so many things. And Mm -hmm. so people feel stuck, which some people define as depression. So like, what are your thoughts on the difference between how do I know if I'm stuck in a routine or how do I really know if I'm just flat out effing depressed and what should I do about it? (laughs) Well, you know, unfortunately I think, well, I wouldn't say just entrepreneurs, everybody has that, that, that tendency. Um, but what's worse than being depressed is not knowing why. Mm-hmm. I like to 
people to the point of every emotion they feel, they understand why they feel it. So every emotion you feel in the present is something that you're thinking about in the past or the future. For example, and again, this is where thoughts are so powerful. Any negative emotion I have, I know right away that it's a thought, period, end of story. So every single emotion I experience, if it's a negative emotion, instead of going into the emotion, I identify exactly immediately where is the thought, what is the thought that's connecting and making this emotion. And depression always comes from something that we're not meeting an expectation or something that we've lost in our mind, whether it's true or not. In our mind, it's true because our, our brain's gonna validate it, that's why we're depressed. So that is one of the first things. And you know, this is where when people don't have what I refer to as self-mastery, then we don't understand or we can't buy into the fact that it's really coming from a thought. So what do we do? We got to have that glass of wine every single evening or that pill to go to bed. And I'm so blessed. You know, when I went through all this stuff, leaving this cult and everything, I was on two glasses of wine and four or five Benadryl every single night. Holy cow. So you think about it. When you can't sleep, there's a reason you can't sleep. It's your thoughts. You're either excited, worried, or depressed, or usually one of those three things is what keeps you from sleeping. So I came to the point, I figured out, uh, I, years ago, I saw the Dalai Lama in Canada, and that was something I was definitely not able to do in this cult. So I wanted to really stretch, you know, do things I normally couldn't do. Um, so he talked about, I bought some of his books, which I think for me are just, you know, way different, but interesting. And one of the thoughts was, you know, making your thoughts disappear. So I Googled making your thoughts disappear. Nobody had that, you know, no, I saw nothing of it. So I decided I'm going to figure out how do I make my thoughts disappear? Because if I have a thought that creates an emotion, so basically think of the word tear, T-E-A-R, a thought often will create an emotion, which creates an action, which creates a result. Well, if I can change the thought, I change the result. Or if I can eliminate the thought, I don't even have the emotion. So I got to the point where I have it now, and it's, it takes years to master, that I go to bed now like a snoring baby, and I wake up like a horse out of the gates. I never need anything <laughs> to put me to sleep. If I have to wake up at 4 o'clock in the morning, and I have to go to bed at 8 o'clock, and I don't feel tired, I can just, if I eliminate my thoughts, I'm out like a light. And we have that much ability to control our thoughts and most people think of controlling a thought as you know looking at it this way but we have the ability to literally make our thoughts disappear and when you have your thoughts disappear you don't have negative emotions to be attached by or positive emotions it's like daydreaming how many of you have daydreamed before you're consciously awake but you're thinking of nothing somebody's gonna go like hello hello put their hand in front of your eyes right so I, I think most people just have no concept. They really, really don't understand how powerful our minds really, really are. I'll give you another example, not to go down the road too much with this. Um, there's yeah. a kid, he, he is blind, and he can take a bicycle, and you can put him in a parking lot at Walmart, and he can ride his bicycle in between cars and not hit one of them. Now, you and I have that ability but we're not stretching because we can see visually. He's blind, so he's overcompensating and thinking about how can I do this to the point he's teaching other blind people to do it and he could teach you and I to do it. So how do I take that knowledge? That tells me then there are things that I could overcompensate for that I don't even realize. So example, I'm flying this new jet 
and I'm going to be taking an exam in it. And what I'm going to do is as I prepare for the exam, as crazy as it sounds as a pilot, I'm going to pretend that I'm blind. Now, if I pretend that I'm blind, let's say you could fly an airplane as a blind person. How would you overcompensate? You would make sure when you touch something, you know exactly the distance from your thumb to this part of the airplane or the cockpit. And if I move my finger three inches, it's this switch and that switch. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to master the ability to close my eyes and literally in a nanosecond reach over and know exactly what I'm touching just like somebody, I mean, think about it. Can you and I do Braille? We look at Braille and say, how the heck can somebody touch that right. and get a number or a word or a letter out of that? Well, if we were blind or not blind and we made it a goal to do that, we all could do that. Well, there's so many things that we're not tapping into that we don't even think about. We don't even go there mentally. So because of what I do and how intrigued I am in the mind, I go there. So when I go in this cockpit, I'm going to spend hours doing this. So all I have to do is feel and I'll know where everything is. That's amazing. I was listening to a speaker a couple months ago and I don't remember the guy's name, but basically he is like the number one archery person in the world, which is like bow and arrow. And he has no arms. He was born with no arms. There you go. And so he was presenting to children. I had my sister's kids, my nieces and nephews, and took them to this little presentation, which was like the best thing ever. And what he was trying to teach them is everyone thought this person was weird. And he grew up very depressed because he had no arms. And so he taught himself as a young adult to use his legs to master in four years how to become amazing at this, which some people, it takes them 20 years to practice, you know, shooting a bow and arrow. And so the last Olympics, he, I guess, tried to get into the Olympics and they told him that he had a an advantage over everyone and they disqualified him. Yeah. Because they said that your legs are much stronger than your arms. And so, but instead of suing them, he started his own, I guess, like special Olympics for people who have thought differently and how to get around things. And so this guy's whole thing was like, what makes you weird makes you wonderful as well. So it's all about reframing. Um, And I love how you said like the positive thinking, like it's like spray paint on rust. Like it doesn't last forever. Like you've got to have some type of strategy or tool or something that helps you get to your goal. And and you can't do it by yourself. Like you can, but it's real lonely and it's more fun with other people. No man is an island. That's for sure. Yeah, it, it totally. So you've got a couple tools that I would love for all of our listeners to check out because you've got a couple different levels. I know that you do the Beyond First Class with Gary, which is your mastermind event. So who is a good fit for that mastermind event? Entrepreneurs only. So gotcha. if a person is an entrepreneur and they want to come with me on the jet, spend a full day with me, pick my brain all day long, that's for them. Definitely for them. The so, two-day events are for everybody, entrepreneurs, anybody that's got any challenges, all that stuff. Perfect. So meaning they need to own a business or they have an idea to own a business? Well, for the Beyond First Class with the jet, the one day at Sandals, um, yeah, I mean, 
they need to be in the process of at least getting ready to get into a business, you know, because this is for people who are action takers, not for somebody that, you know, I don't know what to do. And, you know, I, I can't take action. It's not for them. It's for people that I'm going to spend one day. I'm going to throw a bunch of stuff at you. Your brain's going to come out of your ears and you got a lot of stuff to apply when you get back. Awesome. Action, not for you. Awesome. Like I know with, with my productivity stuff, people ask me like, is it for everybody? And I'm like, absolutely not. <laughs> you have to have been in business for at least five years because you don't know what you don't know. You don't know that you need these strategies yet, like in the wedding and the event industry. Um, but right. for the mastermind, it's beyond first class with Gary.com. And then I know you do a two day event in Orlando, which is where you're from or you currently reside. And you can get tickets. There's one coming up in November and the tickets are at staincondition4success.com. I even just love the way that sounds because it's really hard to think ahead. Some people, they're working in their business, not on their business. And really to be successful, you basically do have to condition yourself to think ahead and be ready. You got to stay that way. That's for sure. That's why staying conditioned for success, right? Totally. And then if you just, if, if none of this is for you, but you still feel stuck and you want to clean out your emotional hard drive, you can always go to GaryCox.com and that's C-O-X-E.com slash coaching. So aside from the lab events and the mastermind group, you, do you do one-on-one -on -one coaching or is that still group coaching? Um, I do some one-on-one -on -one coaching. I don't, um, I don't have an opportunity because of my scheduling to do a lot of it, but I pick a couple clients a year. Gotcha. That's awesome. So if you're looking to get unstuck and clean out your hard drive, Gary is your guy. Any last words and final thoughts and takeaways? We are out of time. I could like pick your brain all day. I love this psychology stuff and I know it works. I've seen it work. Well, like like I, I say in all my videos when I wrap up on social media, don't let anything or anyone rent space in your head. My title of my book, especially those people, those things that shouldn't be there. That's awesome. Thank you so much for your time today. Guys, be sure to check out GaryCox.com and really think about using some of the tools and the strategies to better yourself personally and professionally. Thank you so much, Gary. Everybody Thank you, Angela. Day. Bye. Bye now. If you found this podcast helpful, please share it with your friends. And I'm so very grateful if you leave a review. Be sure you are a subscriber so you never, ever miss the juicy details of Business Unveiled. Also, be sure that you are part of my email list. And if you're not... Sign up today at AngelaProfit.com, where I share valuable resources and exclusive products with only my subscribers. Now, before I go, I want to ask you, if you have a story or a product to share with the creative industry, please let me know. To be considered as a guest on Business Unveiled, visit AngelaProfit.com and submit a podcast guest form. Until next time, remember to stay productive and profitable. 
You've been listening to Business Unveiled with Angela Profit. Join us next time as we share our experiences to help you be more productive and profitable in your creative business. For more great resources, visit AngelaProfit.com.